Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Look out, it's only films to be buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. My name is Brett Goldstein. I'm a comedian, an actor, a writer, a director, a fraudster, and I love films. As Bernard Schlink once said, I'm not frightened. I'm not frightened of anything. The more I suffer, the more I love. Having said that, Hereditary did proper shit me up, yeah. Every week, I invite a special guest over, I tell them they've died, then I get them to discuss their life through the films that meant the most to them. Previous guests include Barry Jenkins, Himesh Patel, Sharon Stone, and even... (laughs) But this week, it's the brilliant comedian, actor, and writer, Ruby McAllister. Head over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein, where you get extra 20 minutes with Ruby. We talk about secrets, favourite beginnings and endings. You get the whole episode uncut and ad-free, and as a video. Check all of that out over at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein. So, Ruby McAllister. Ruby McAllister is a brilliant comedian and actor. You've seen her in all sorts of things. She just went and did the Edinburgh Festival where she got absolutely rave reviews. So, do see her show if it is coming anywhere near you. We recorded this long before she was headed off to Edinburgh, so it's nice to know as you listen. It's a bit of a spoiler, but she absolutely stormed it. I think you're going to love this one. So that is it for now. I very much hope you enjoy episode 266 of Films to be Buried with. Hello and welcome to Films to be Buried with. It is me, Brett Goldstein, and I'm joined today by an actor, a writer, a comedian, a sketco, a stand up, a Sia, a light healer, and a birth charter. Someone from the stars, connected to the stars, who is a star. She's here. She's about to go to Edinburgh when we record this. When you hear this, she's probably one Edinburgh. (laughs) Please welcome to the show the real live person. That is this one, Ruby McAllister. Oh, my God. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. I loved that intro. That was the best one I've ever had. 
Thank you, Ruby. It's de- de- delightful Likewise. to see you. Thank you for Likewise. doing the show. Ruby, you're about to go and do, is it your first Edinburgh? It is. Oh my God. I'm like, I'm, uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> my God. How, it, how do you is feel it ever? About this? Um, I feel, <laughs> I feel excited, but, uh, overwhelmed as I think one is want to do, but I feel like, I don't know. I'm I'm projecting here, but I feel like for people in England, it's just like what it's it's sort of is it more casual for people in England? So, no, uh, no, it's no. Never casual. It's never casual. You honey, get you, you get never... sort of used to it, but okay. it's never casual. Okay, honey, it's never casual. Okay, good, good. Yeah, <laughs> okay. you're still you know you, all the money you've earned in the in the year, mm-hmm. you're going to now chuck down a drain exactly. in one month, exactly, and, and lose exactly. Your mind. Um, and that's exciting. And it's very exciting to do that. And there's sort of like a, a cyclical sort of addiction to gambling sort of feeling to it. Um, <laughs> um, but I'm, no, but I'm really excited. And uh, today you're speaking with me when, when you know, the opening night is nigh. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, we're, yeah. We're, we're looking at, we're looking at something. Forgive me for not knowing this. Is this your first? Our show, or are you done? This is no, no, don't, no. This is my first hour, and I'm really starting. Uh, this first full assembled hour is really like the story of my first hour. A little bit. It's really wow. we're, and it's really. I'm so glad to be here for so many reasons, but largely because it's you know a show about. <laughs> I'm going to say death. <laughs> I'm, oh, really? I'm gonna say it's about dead people. Yeah, well, then you you've come to the place, yeah. come to the right place. What uh, may I ask? Who whose death, or is it about all death? It's about sort of all death. I it's about how my father ran a theater in Los Angeles, which is not. I'm gonna say, and you probably know this at this point. It's not a theater town. I didn't know if you knew that about it. Is definitely it's, not. Yeah, it's not sort of a it theater town. Um, and my dad ran this theater, and I was at—I lived basically at this theater, and I ran the box office called? at this theater. It's called the Cornet Theater. It's now the Largo. Ah, <gasps> my favorite place. My yes, favorite place everyone's. In LA. So that theater before it was the Largo, my father oh, ran yeah. it. My father is not Flanagan. That is not. That's not mm. who my father is. In fact, well, I'm sorry for you. Yeah, I know. B- me too, man. But um, before it was the before the Largo took over management, it was my my dad was managing it, and uh, yeah, I ran the box office every night. I was seeing so many psychotic like Vanity Project one woman show plays. <laughs> it was always that. It was like the darkest level of Hollywood I was witness to chronically. And on top of that, I found out that Charles Lawton, which maybe yes. you know or haunts the cornet he's the resident ghost of the cornet yes because he died two days before the opening night of Bertold Brecht's premiere of Galileo Galilei Charles Lawton directed the premiere which happened to be in Los Angeles in like 1954 which is crazy and he died during the previews of Galileo Galilei, and he was rumored to have haunted the cornet. And when I was a child, I was obsessed. This was when I became, this is when I like learned about ghosts and I like became obsessed with Charles Lawton's ghost. And I had a really deep relationship with Charles Lawton's ghost. And what do you mean? You, you saw him? I saw, saw him. I, I believed he was always around. I felt him watching over me. 
Wow. And then I became obsessed with like Hollywood, you know, in the international sense of Hollywood, Hollywood ghosts, like this whole other realm of my hometown. And so my show is like about all the ghosts that I was obsessed with. Oh my God. I mean, yeah. Talk about selling the show to me. Good. Can you tell me one ghost (laughs) interaction? Okay. Maybe I won't tell a Charles Lawton ghost story, but I'm going to tell you another one. Okay. Okay. And this is also a tip to anybody traveling to Los Angeles. Okay. So at the, basically the basin of the Hollywood Hills is this little sub neighborhood called Hollywood Land. And Hollywood Land was the original real estate development that, is why the Hollywood sign is there, right? We all know it used to say Hollywood land and then the land yeah. sort of crumbled and off, then whatever. The, the rocketeer crashed into it. Exactly. Into the land <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. then um, at the basin of like right below the Hollywood sign are these horse trails that have been there since the early 1900s when that piece of land was where actually bandits used to camp in the hills to it was like because LA at the time was like the most dangerous place in the world it was just like basically still the wild west so you can still go to these horse trails at the basin of this place and I you know my dad had a friend from out of town who also had a daughter who later became my best friend but that's a different story But I was trying to impress her. I was trying to be like, we got to show her a good time in L.A. Like, we got to do it, (laughs) right? And so I was like, let's take her, let's take her to these trails. So you basically board these horses that are, like, so overly medicated are really, (laughs) maybe not treated fabulously, but it's, like, sets the scene. You know what I mean? It's all part of the (laughs) allure. And you sort of, like, hoist your body on these horses that are so tired. And they are, like, going up these trails by the Hollywood sign. And it's, like, pretty fab to do if you have nothing mm-hmm. to do in L.A. Okay. And I Sorry, how old like, are you? How old are you when this is happening? I'm, like, six. Okay. Okay. I'm six, seven, around there. Okay. And I'm pretty, like, I'm really newly anointed into my obsession with, uh, phantoms or ghosts, right? And I'm like really upset. I'm just totally obsessed. And I'm <sighs> so I was like open to it. You know what I mean? I was like out for an experience. And so I was like riding this little horse and it was sunset. <laughs> and I'm riding past the Hollywood sign and I see two. <laughs> oh my God, this is this is a little scary. I see like two little feet. Like, not just, like, little feet walking past the Hollywood sign <laughs> out of the corner of my eye. And I'm, like, I'm really startled. And I'm, like, telling my dad, like, and he knows that I'm obsessed with ghosts. So it's, like, maybe yeah. I saw it in my head or maybe I saw, you know what I mean? We don't, we're not yeah. here to judge. We're not here to get our, <laughs> binoc- you know, our little stethoscopes yeah. out. But um, I saw some feet, okay? That's what I thought. And bare so feet. then I started bare feet. Okay. Hmm. And that's when I found out, you know, and this is the thing about ghosts. This is my selling point about ghosts is that you can believe in ghosts. You don't have to believe in ghosts. But if you do believe in ghosts or if you indulge the belief in ghosts, it's actually a mm. gateway drug to be a historian. It, it's a, it's how you become a freaking historian, man. That's what I'm saying. Because I go, I saw, excuse me, I saw feet by the Hollywood sign. <laughs> What's with that? And I yeah. do some research and uh, I... Find out about Peg and Twistle, 
who was the singular, if not most famous, I don't think she's the only person who did this, but she was the first person to throw herself off the H of the Hollywood sign in 1929. (laughs) And I mean, like, that's a one-to-one, man. Like, I was totally seeing her ghost. Right. right. And then like Peg Entwistle is like, if you get into like Hollywood macabre lore, she is like OG. She is like one of the main spooky stories of Hollywood is the Peg Entwistle. She's the first person to throw herself off the Hollywood sign. So you think you saw Peg Entwistle's fate? I'm not judging. I met, I met, you know what I'm saying? I'm, it might have not been hers. I'm just saying it was a but gateway drug of, to because learn. Because of whichever ghost it was, it taught you about Peggy. Exactly. And, and it just yeah. fed my lifelong addiction to this level of Hollywood uh, darkness. When did you last see a ghost? I think the last time I saw a ghost was about 10 years ago. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. I had in college, I had a ghost visit me quite often. Who was this ghost and were you scared? <laughs> I was scared. Um, because he would visit me. It was, I like lived in this room on this campus in my school in New England and, um, very haunted spot in the world, but, um, different type of vibe, you know, to the Hollywood ghosts, not as, not as, not as glamorous to say the least, but, um, it was like this blonde guy, this blonde guy sitting on the foot of my bed, like every night I would see, yeah, for like a semester, which is about Mm -hmm. six months. What was he doing? Just watching you? Sat there watching you? He was just constant. And yeah, he was just always sitting and like looking around. And I eventually, I think once, I, you know, I was sort of asleep. You know what I mean? Right. But yeah. um, <laughs> then I would like come to. Yeah. And I would be like, after like the 10th time he did this, I was like, are you lost? <gasps> oh, shit. Which is an what amazing question to ask any ghost. Yeah. He didn't talk, but he like acknowledged. He was like, I was like, are you lost? Do you need help? Like, this isn't mm-hmm. where you're supposed to be. And then after I talked to him, he went away. Oof. Raven. <laughs> are you <laughs> lost? Sorry. <laughs> Am I lost? Wow. It's a great question. That is a great it's question a great question. living or the dead. It is. And like, there is this like whole school of belief in like ghost hunting which is like a whole Mm. other genre this is a whole other topic but there's like this new sort of more accepted vibe that instead of like ghost hunting with like lasers and guns and this like ghostbusters level type thing there's this new sort of millennial approach (laughs) which is to communicate with the ghosts and and give them what they need and that's actually how you unhaunt a space which i actually really think is cool I think that's a cool, sort of a cool thing. Yeah. What do you think this this geezer needed? The blonde geezer at the end of your bed. Well, he was definitely young, Brett. Oh, in England, geezer means... Oh, you just say geezer, like, just like chump. Just guy. Like bloke, just whatever. A, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. In America, we No, it's okay. Think. No, no, no. That's okay. Yeah. Okay. In, in America, that means he's like totally old. But um, oh, yeah, no, geezer. Sorry. I'm saying geezer too now. Um, okay. He... I think... <laughs> yeah, geezer, this geezer... Yeah, I'm kissing a geezer tonight. Yeah, whatever. Totally awesome. Um, I think what he wanted, I think he was genuinely lost. I think he was, didn't realize he was passed on. Right. Fuck. Jesus. I think. 
I know. Sorry, not to not to out macabre your macabre show, but no. Well, it's funny you say that. <laughs> it's really funny you say that because I forgot to tell you something, and now I'm realizing. Oh, you don't know either. Mm. You've you've died. You're dead. Fuck. Are you lost? <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely lost. If you're just bringing this news on me now, yeah. I'm like, I'm <laughs> I am shocked to my core. I guess for a long time I've been thinking, what is she doing sitting at the end of my bed? I yeah. should probably say something about Are it. you lost? Yeah, Are I'm definitely lost? lost. Oh, honey, uh, I'm definitely lost. Yeah. How did you die, Ruby? I think the last thing I remember, if you're telling me that mm. I'm dead right now, the last yeah. thing I remember is I literally got a cold. I got a chill. I caught a chill. You you were chilled to death. <laughs> you were so chill. You were too chill. You died. Yeah, I was actually too cool, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was literally too too cool for this mortal coil a little bit. Wow. Yeah. No. Too chill to but live. It, too chill to live. Wow. Your reputation precedes you. Yeah, exactly. I lived as I died, yeah. Yeah, totally chill. Mm-hmm, totally chill. <laughs> totally chill. What a tragic death. How old do you want to I be know. when you die? Fuck. I would say, like, actually, like, am, are mm-hmm. we really talking here? Yeah, we're really talking. I think either 36, don't tempt fate, okay? Or, because that's like a nice number. I think that's a very sexy number. 36 mm-hmm. is an incredibly sexy number. Yeah. Or 93. Right. Yeah. Now, you, um, <laughs> you can see the future, right? Yeah, a little bit. What does your future say? Do you know when you will die? Will you die at 93? There's actually in, as you mentioned in my incredibly unbelievable um, intro, mm-hmm. I do do astrology. I have an astrology practice. But um, in my chart, it either says that I'm going to die old or I'm going to die by the hand. And I'm not joking. <laughs> by the hand of a lover. <gasps> like murdered. There's an indication. But I don't think that's going to happen. I actually don't think that's going to happen. So every time you're with a, a lover and they get like slightly <laughs> annoyed, you're like, uh-oh. I'm like, here, here it comes. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I shouldn't have no, forgot um... the milk. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Wow. Yeah, it's, I'm walking on eggshells. But no, I think, I don't know. Yeah, that's like one indication in my chart. But I don't, I don't think I ascribe to that. You know, it's not, it's not set in stone. This is all malleable. It's all a conversation. Do you feel that you're connected to the light? What is it? Do you feel you're channeling something or are you just looking at numbers? I think like it's a little bit of both. Okay. And I think I, I wish I could take myself seriously enough to say I was channeling light. <laughs> 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 Yeah. But I just can't. I, just I think can't it's say hard that, for you but... to be a comedian and <laughs> sort of a, a spiritual advisor or whatever it is. I don't know. I what know you call it's what you really do. hard. I mean, it's but really I do hard. think, like, I do think, like, I will say that the best people in my life that have given me spiritual guidance, advice, whatever, are are funny people. I think mm. they're hand in hand. I think wisdom. I think being funny is so important for so many. I know there's all this talk about like, you know, comedians are like the most tortured types of human beings that they're dark, blah, blah, blah. But I also think like if you don't have a sense of humor about yourself, 
you're sort of dead in the water, mm. I think, a little bit. Yeah. A little bit, but that's just a hot take. That's just a hot take. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah. Okay. Do you worry about your own death? Is it something you fear? Or welcome. Can I ask you a question? Were you ever a hypochondriac? I don't think in an extreme way. I, I, I fear illness for sure, but I don't always mm. think I'm ill. You know what I mean? Like, mm. if someone sneezes near me, I'm like, uh-oh. Oh, wow. But I don't necessarily think, now I'm going to die because they sneezed. I just think we need oh, to. Oh, got it. They need to be gone. Yeah. I think, like, my is fear that nice? is that... <laughs> That that's absolutely nice. <laughs> that's actually a really nice thing to say. Is what I'm going to say. Um, but um, I think I do. I used to be a really insane hypochondriac, which I think maybe also was like some of the spiritual stuff helped me through that a little bit. And okay. uh, but um, recently, yeah, Mike. I guess I fear death in so much as I fear, um, yeah, not knowing if it's happening or not. That would freak me out. Like if I was just like hit by a bus. Oh, you you want it like to be slow and you know it's happening really slow. Yeah, and I like <laughs> and I want to be like adieu, adieu. Like I really want to like right. say goodbye to everything. Oh, okay. very romantic in a romantic way, you know. So you want sort of like a good, a sort of good looking slow terminal illness. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. What do you think happens when you die? Then with all your interactions with guys, what do you think? Do you think there's an afterlife? The people that are lost, are they going somewhere? I do un, unabashedly, and I will say, I guess I have to say this without any sort of conceit, but um, I do believe in, I do believe in an afterlife. I do. Great. I, do. I don't know what, I don't entirely understand what happens. I do mm-hmm. know that not everybody becomes a ghost. I think that's like a general consensus right. is that not everybody does. Um, and I do believe that. And I don't necessarily want to become a ghost. I do think, like, you know, I think there is this, like, lack of recognition between, you know, and then there's this other, since we're all getting into quantum physics now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't you think that's a, quantum physics is hot, hot, hot. Am I wrong, Oh, Brad? yeah, yeah. No, it's really in again. It's so in again. It's yeah. so freaking in. Um, and I think, like, we, so I can say this, like, you mm. know, then there's this other idea that it's like, are they just two dimension, you know, the simultaneous time briefly overlapping and our interaction with that? It's like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I can't say. Yeah. So there's some of that. So you don't think a ghost is like someone who hasn't made it to the other side, as in st- they are literally lost on their way to the other side. Some people don't become ghosts because they go straight to, to heaven. And other people are guys because they get love. I don't believe in heaven. I'm not <laughs> I'm not really believing in heaven. Okay. But I am thinking like you go into like the warm light if you're if you aren't attached, if you're ready to let go. Mm-hmm. And then you like rejoin. <sighs> you rejoin the cosmic, yeah, you know, recycling machine. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean, yeah. Yeah. You become one with the higher consciousness that you always were, and then you plop out again into a different life. I do. Yes, I do. And I think we, and I do believe, I don't hold on too strongly to understanding what my past lives are. I think that's sort of, I'm not super into that. 
But I do like people that are. I love hanging out with people who feel very connected <laughs> with their past lives. That's real. That's really fun for me. Yeah. And some people have told me some wild shit about supposedly what my past life is. I do believe all actors. So shout out, Brett. Also, you. <laughs> um, I do believe all actors were at some point soldiers. Explain this proof. theory, please. <laughs> that seems like the opposite job. And there we go. Because okay, I think, like, on. once I do, I do think there's like this militant aspect to all actors, like this real seriousness and like over regulation or ability to overly regulate. But I think it is the opposite job. And I think that's why, like, once you fight in a war in your next yeah. life, you want to, you want to like express yourself and like, yeah, you know, that's interesting. That's interesting. I do think all actors were reincarnated soldiers. And I think that's why, honey, at the 21st century, after two world wars, there's so yeah. many freaking actors all over the goddamn place. Yeah. Because they have they were all soldiers and now they're like, <laughs> I, I need someone to bring me tea. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. They're like, you know what sounds great? Waiting around on set for 12 hours a day to say <laughs> two lines. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You get it. I think you totally get it. I actually do get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it explains sort of why why there is why you get like a lot of entitled actors because they're yes. like, going, I was a fucking soldier. I fought in exactly a war. Or it's like you, this, you know. Where's my yeah. Where's my stuff? Give me my stuff. A hundred percent. And it's like right. you wonder why actors are so like solipsistic that mm. we can just keep going back in on ourselves, and it's because we were in the trenches, my dude. <laughs> we were is- we. We were, our helmets were on, our heads were down. We were shit, so scared. Mm. <laughs> we, we had no space for our emotions. And I our don't know if this life. excuses the behavior <laughs> of actors, but that's... <laughs> I know. If, if only it's we could litigate with past lives. Yeah, you know, that's if only a, great a lawyer. Idea. I know. Yeah, because often you go with people, you go, oh, that person's an awful dickhead, but you know, they did. Yeah. If you knew what they've been through, and you usually yeah. mean their childhood <laughs> or when they were a teenager, but if you could go, if you knew what they've been through 100 yeah. years ago, they were in the war. Honey, you would have absolute compassion for them. That's, yeah, yeah you really would. You're like, <laughs> oh, no, listen, hey, get them, get them their tea, let them shout at everyone. Yeah, they were in, they got trench foot. That's how they died. It's like, honey. <laughs> Oh my god, you had trench foot in your past life. Like, pardonnez-moi. I'm so yeah, sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah. 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 You do, you take all the time you need in that trailer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. I think we're getting close to that. Yeah. I think we're getting close, sir, to that level of compassion. I do. I do. Well, listen. There is a heaven. You you don't like the word heaven, but it's just the bit where the higher consciousness all hangs out. Okay, I like it. And you're very welcome there. And it's filled with your favorite oh, thing. What's your favorite thing? I think my favorite thing is like m- some s- music. Okay, well, so then it's beautiful. What, what's, what's your favorite thing? What do you say? I'm not, I, I, I'm not a guest on this podcast and never would No, be, I no. I think anyone who agrees <laughs> to do this is mad. <laughs> no, no. You have, you, it's your idea, dude. What is your favorite thing? Water? What's your I, I, I'm still wait. You know that's why I guess I'm here. I'm here every week, waiting for the for the right answer. But music's pretty Got good. It. You you music's get to heaven good. and there's music everywhere. Or it's there's like gos- music and seltzer. Music and seltzer with like a lemon. 
their seltzer and lemon handed to you by beautiful musicians. It's wonderful. Uh, Everyone's so excited to see you. Everything sounds lovely. They want to talk to you about your life, but they want to talk about it through the medium of film. And the first thing they ask you, Ruby McCollister. Uh What's the first film you remember seeing? (sighs) Okay, this is such a complicated one. So I remember the first one I like that I have a visceral, really amazing memory watching. Even though I think I technically watched movies before this, but my the first one I that came to mind was Edward Scissorhands with my family. I love that film. I love that film. I love that film. And I rewatched it recently and it holds up. Oh my God. When I was a child, I watched it with my mother, who is also a native Angelino and a goth, and, right. and basically raised another goth. You know what I mean? More or less. You know, I'm a, I'm I'm a, a light and light in the loafers goth a little bit, but um, I um. So she was like totally down for me to watch this movie. My parents were also in theater, so there was a lot of theater actors in mm-hmm. Edward Scissorhands. So it was like oh, wow. our our family friends were sort of in the, in the movie or whatever. But I was thoroughly transformed as a child. And I was convinced I didn't relate to Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> I obviously related to Kim. Mm. And um, I think that was like the first depiction of a redhead I'd ever seen as well. Oh, God, I forgot she's redheaded. Yeah, she has like dyed orange hair. Yeah. So that was really significant for me. And I then was convinced every night in my like parents' shitty West Hollywood rental that we lived in, um, that on the bars on my windows, that... Um, Edwards, I had like this deep fantasy that Edward Scissorhands was like rocking his little fingers. Like, like <laughs> Freddy Krueger on your windows. Yeah, but he was sort of like... But in a sexy way. Sa- in a sexy way, yeah, yeah. But I was like really frightened and really charmed by this fantasy <laughs> of like, Edward Scissorhands is like obsessed with me and like, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and I was really freaked out for a while about like Edward, the fantasy, the imagined fantasy of Edward. Rocking his little hing- fingers. The music to Edward Scissorhands is one of the tracks that I would like played at my funeral as my coffin really? comes in with snow, indoor snow. Oh my God. Oh, that's really sad. Mm. <laughs> that's really chilling. <laughs> well, it's a great totally. film. Great film. And I don't so it is a great up. film. Mad that it doesn't come up. That, it doesn't? Yeah, I love that film. That's really weird. So weird. Even Only Child. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, okay. I mean, I are you an only it. child? No, I have a sister. Uh, yeah, you don't seem like an only child. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> What's yeah. the film that scared you the most? Do you like being scared? I do. Like I guys? love being scared. I, I'm addicted to being scared. Um, Great. Well, everybody probably says, what does everybody say? The Exorcist, right? It comes up a lot. Yeah, obviously. Um, that was a legitimately scary film for me. I also think my my other, the deeper cut of that is um, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. Deep cut. Yeah. Deep cut. Scary. And that was really scary for me. Yeah. So that's why Betty is, Davis and Joan Crawford. scary? Not famously thought of as a scary film, I'd say. What, why so scary? It's dark. It's dark, but it's like about, you know, Betty Davis plays this woman in her 60s who was a vaudevillian child star and still has her outfit from being a vaudevillian child star, you know what I mean? And like Mm -hmm. failed to become a movie star and is at 60. Also, she has like her 
sister, Joan Crawford, is paralyzed from an accident that was supposedly baby Jane's fault, Betty Davis's fault. Her, she has this paralyzed sister upstairs and she's like trying to have her act happen again. Yeah. Like she's trying to like put her act back up. And so she puts on these clothes to make her look like a baby doll. And she's like in her 60s and uh, has like powdered yeah, makeup. Scary, like it's like, it's, it's very, very, very scary. It's very scary. And I remember when I saw that as a child, also with my goth mother being like, yeah. this is a fabulous film or whatever. I remember like brushing my teeth and you know what I mean? And like feel, you know, when you have that yeah. scary movie feeling where it's like suddenly you're alone after you see it for the first yeah. time. And then you're, and then it's like, and then the characters truly begin to like invade your mm. like space. Is that just um, me? No, that's everybody. No, no, right? no, that's not just you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I remember like imagining closing the mirror of my bathroom and seeing baby Jane, seeing this like old yeah. woman in a baby doll outfit is like, <laughs> I mean, that's really scary. And she Great sings show. this horror. Sing me the so- song. Oh my God. This is the baby Jane song. Okay. okay. It's, I've, ri- it's I- I've written a letter to daddy. Whose address is heaven above? I've written, dear daddy, I miss you. And I'm right, like, whatever. You know what I mean? That's what it is. But it's like oh, so that scary. that was excellent. You got a voice for Nigel. Like, I've written a letter to daddy. Like, that's mm. like so creepy. Creepy as fuck. Funny creepy. there were there, these films where that and Sunset Boulevard, both, the, both these films about like, Aging Hollywood stars that can't let go, that are completely the fucking madness. I know, and it's the it's remarkable that I decided to be to become a performer because I really was like obsessed with these stories of like yeah. of tragedy and failure and delusion. And I and and Sunset Boulevard I, is one of my is one it's of my answers up. for two. Oh, is coming. Well, let's, out. let's not spoil that. It's coming up. Yeah. What's the film that made you cry the most? Do you cry easy? You cry a lot? I do. I do. I do. (laughs) (laughs) No, I can. I know. I know. I mean, I haven't cried recently so much, but um, I, okay. So this is my answer. This is my stock answer, basically. And I, and I hate to be so on brand. I am like psychotically on brand sometimes. So this one's another psychotically on brand answer. But the film that makes me cry the most (laughs) is. A Star is Born, but it's, <laughs> but version? it's, um, it's the Judy Garland version. Oh, okay. Okay. Which is the best one by far. And there's this scene, <laughs> there's this scene where she, um, is, you know, her, she has an alcoholic husband, as we all know, in the Lady Gaga version too. Mm-hmm. She has an alcoholic husband in this version. Judy Garland plays a movie star, not a musician, not like the Barbara Streisand version either. Judy Garland plays a musical, you know, like a movie star, like how Judy Garland was. Like she sang, she danced, she acted, whatever. And she's in the middle of doing, oh God, this, I could cry just thinking about it. She's in the middle of doing a musical number where she's dressed as, and forgive me, but this is the term. This is the aesthetic term. She's dressed as a hobo, okay? Okay. That is what the term is, unfortunately. Antiquated, I know. Okay, listen. So she has like a charcoal beard on, <laughs> like this, like freckles and a blacked out tooth, like Judy Garland, okay? 
And she's like doing this number and they're like, okay, take a break. And like, <laughs> and she goes into her dressing room and the head of the studio is like, your husband is a real, is like really making a fool of himself. And it's like, is he okay? And then she breaks down in this makeup. Oh, shit. She is crying. <laughs> she is like, and it's Judy Garland crying. Like, and you can see that she is actually in such despair. And it's like, I forgot the exact line, but, you know, it's just like, it's her crying like it's so hard to, you know, love somebody who doesn't love themselves. You know, all of this, it's just devastation. And then it's like, okay, Esther, you got five minutes. And then she like, and then it's like, the next cut is her like wiping her tears and like doing that the next take. And they're mm. at that, I reference that scene all the time. It's one of the most poignant scenes, I think, mean, in, like, yeah. in like of the 50s, basically. And it's, you know, George Cooper directed it. It's like a hugely massive and such a beautiful film. And I think if you know anything about Judy Garland, it's so devastating. And it's just such a relatable, I think it's a position that I think many people have felt. It's not just for actors. I think it's like this really universal feeling of like there's something terrible that I'm that's going on that I have no control over, and yet I still have to sort of like continue on. Yeah, doing whatever I have to I'm do doing. public. I have to do public face. Yeah, and yeah. I have to like go to work, or I have to like yeah. just keep it together. And I think that's like such a oh God, I just cry, cry, cry mm, over that. Right, <laughs> really good. What's the what's, what's the film that you love? Most people don't like it. It's not critically acclaimed, but you love it unconditionally. Okay, this is a good answer. I really love <laughs> Confessions of a Shopaholic. That is a great... Which- <laughs> that is a, you couldn't answer better to that question. I adore this movie. I think okay. it's actually a really important film. Really? <laughs> I'm going to go out right? Isla Fisher... Playing, yeah, an American, also a redhead, mm-hmm. not to brag. Coincidence. Um, who has, who's who the villain of this, and I guess maybe, I don't really understand the credit system in uh, the UK, but, <laughs> but to be an American is to have a lot of debt. That's a right. huge thing mm-hmm. in America. And uh, basically, literally, the villain of this movie is her credit card company. (laughs) Right. And it's, like, amazing. Like, it's about her, like, struggling to get out of debt. And it's, like... And she keeps not, And she just can't stop. And it's, like, there's so much in there. That is, like, that is is such a great movie. It's such an amazingly important film. It's an amazingly important film. Then I would, For obvious I would, reasons. I would double bill it with uh, Fifty Shades of Grey, which I think is a profound statement about American capitalism, that film. I'd put them together. I mean, I've never seen Fifty Shades of Grey, should I? You, well, it, you're saying, I yeah. think it. I think if you like Confessions of a Shopaholic, for the reasons that you like it, <laughs> I think you like Fifty Shades of Grey, which is basically a porno about money. <laughs> right, like, right. Yeah, I don't think it's about sex at all. I think it's about consumerism. Like, and every, that's all also, the shots of it are like sexy building where money <laughs> is made, sexy helicopter that money, you know what yes, I mean? Yes, yes, yes. I mean, I think like with Confessions of the Shopaholics, also similarly to what you're saying is like Fifty Shades isn't about sex. Like 
a guy doesn't really enter the chat mm. of the movie like until she pays her credit card down. Wow. Isn't that fascinating? <laughs> it's like Dude, it's like it's it's just and well, it's the guy about, like, this... she can't find love until she's paid off her debt. Is that what it's saying? Yes, right. that's what it's saying. Which is like a far true? out. I don't think that's true, but I do mm. think <laughs> I do think that's like I do think that's a crippling fear for a lot of Americans. Do you think, I think it's like, a fear want... about love though? Like who? Go on, finish that sentence. Like like I don't remember the amount of money she's in debt. I think it's like as all movies like super low. You know, I think she probably has like $5,000, you know, like I don't think it's like a ton of money. She owes her credit, her creditors. But it's about like, obviously, like a girl who's like neglectful of paying her bills, that she's sort of just spending, 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 whatever, that she's like from a lower class background, that she was trying to make it big in New York, that she needed these clothes to do so, which 100%, like Mm -hmm. that's real, right? Yeah, that's real. And I think there's like a real, who doesn't have fear if they have, like if I had a ton of, I mean, do you know, who doesn't have fear about their debt? Yeah, very relatable film. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Your dog just barked as if to say, yeah, yeah, I get it. 100%, yeah. On the other on the other end, a film, what's the film that you used to love, but you've seen it recently and you've gone, I don't like this anymore. I've changed. I'm sure a lot of people talk about this movie, also probably from America. There's a few answers I put for this one because it was a, it was many that I okay. feel this way about. But I think like the most poignant one is Garden State. Does everyone say that? They don't all say that. No, not yeah. like a million Americans say that. That's interesting. What do people say? Woody Allen often comes up around here. Oh, okay. But I'm also saying, does everybody also say Blade Runner? No. Honestly, I'm changing. It's Blade Runner. Okay. Talk to Can me. you believe actually how boring Blade Runner is? And it's like actually not a good movie. And it has just like a few good shots and really good costumes. It's like the most boring movie ever. Everybody's totally out of their minds and we're stoned to the gods. The last, if they say Blade who Blade Runner is boring. It's a bad movie. Period. Sorry. <laughs> It's like an amazing book by Philip K. Dick. And Mm. it was like translated like purely stylistically and like is not, I don't think it's that good. I really actually don't think it's that good. Sorry. Uh (laughs) I think it's boring as hell. I would shut down your Twitter when this comes out. If I were you, (laughs) I know, I know. I know this is going to be, it's not the first time that happened. Anyway. um, (laughs) What is the film? That means the most to you, not necessarily the film itself is any good, but the experience you had around seeing it will always make it special to you, Ruby McAllister. Okay, so I saw, I was going to talk about how I saw Tar. And I was going to talk about how I saw Tar and I never finished Tar because when I saw it Mm -hmm. with my mother, who I realize I'm constantly bringing up my mom and I guess she's the only person who ever (laughs) watched movies with me in my entire life. There was a man crawling under the seat. What? Yeah, crawling under my seat. And then uh, I said, (laughs) yeah. And then I said, excuse me, sir, are you okay? And he had diamond earrings on and a nurse outfit on. There was something going on, but whatever. Um, And then he told me, I like your shoes. (laughs) 
absolutely terrifying. So much scarier than any of the ghost stories you've told. Yeah. Yeah. And, then what? and honey, my shoes weren't my shoes weren't cute. They were I was wearing I was wearing like really banged up sneakers. Like I was wearing some wow. crazy shoes to it was really scary. Um and then I left the theater. He followed me out. We had this altercation. It was like a crazy tar. It's like and I never finished it. Jesus. But that was what a crazy one. The, but then what I happened to the guy in the end, the nurse. I said, I said, I'm not gonna call the cops. Just leave me alone. And he did. And then I carried on with my day. Gosh. But my mother, who was who was like raised by a British person, I turned to her and I go, Mom, I have to leave the theater. Not to call you guys out, but I sometimes think this is a little British for her. She goes, like, um, I go, Mom, I have to leave the theater. There's a man under my seat. Jesus <laughs> and Christ. Then she goes, and then she goes, and then she goes, okay, then move seats. <laughs> and I go, and I go, no, it's actually, actually, I can't do that. My experience has been ruined. And then she goes, I don't like letting fear win. But the guy is and still I currently go- <laughs> under your seat. <laughs> no, at this point, he's crawling back to his. Okay. So she says, I don't <laughs> like letting goes, fear win. I don't like letting fear win. And mm. I said, which I think is sort of, you know, approximate to keep calm, carry on. Yeah. You know what I mean? The famous yeah. keep calm, carry on. And I go, we're past the point of fear, mom. This is actually happening. <laughs> and I go like, and then I'm like, and then I, I score myself out of the theater. And your mom stays in to finish the film? She stays in an extra 20 minutes and she's really pissed off that I left. <laughs> and she's pissed off. She Does is she like, not see the geezer under your chair? <laughs> I think she was like thinking I was maybe being histrionic. And do you think it's possible that, <laughs> and I'm not denying your experience that it was a ghost. When you saw a man mm. in a nurse under your thing, did you say, are you mm-hmm. lost, sir? Sir, are you lost? What I did say, though, actually, yeah. chills, and I'm getting chills because he might be a ghost now. I go, do you need help? That was actually what I asked wow. him. I said, do you need help, sir? Because the part of this story that's weird, and this is with all due respect to your mum, your mum is the weird part of this story. Because yes, because it's like she couldn't tell what the crisis was. If she's was. not going, right? Jesus Christ, there's a giant yeah, yeah, man yeah, yeah, under yeah. your seat. <laughs> Run for your life. She's going, don't worry about it. You're being silly. Uh-huh. And you're going, no. But yeah, but I a- might have been the only one able to see him is what you're saying. Yeah. Wow, I never even thought of that, Brett. <laughs> I sort of really it was a ghost because it's out. so disturbing. It's, so, it's much more disturbing if it's not a ghost. You know what I mean? I'm sorry this happened. Horrible. It's okay, you know, like things happen. It's New York City. I was in New York City, you know. Oh, right. okay. <laughs> things oh, happen and I was fine. I know, I know, I didn't. But um, I think it was fine more or less, you know, like things mm. happen and I'm fine, but it, but it, it will forever... I do know what happens in Tar. I know the final scene or whatever. Like, it's like, I know mm-hmm. what happens in Tar. But I don't think I'll ever... Yeah, that would have tainted that film for you. Yeah, I don't think I'll ever... Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely fair Period. enough. Period. Period. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Stadsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. 
you'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Jean Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Maureen, what's this I hear about you going to film school? I am. I want to gain valuable skills while making films and developing my creativity. So I'm attending the New York Film Academy. I'm thinking about becoming one of them people that writes the numbers on the title board. NIFA is a very respected film school. I hear they offer a variety of options to meet your educational goals, whether you want a BFA or MFA degree or want to learn at a quicker pace with a short-term programme. That's right. They've got workshops and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, cinematography, screenwriting, producing, game design, musical theatre and more. Are you attending in New York? Might do. They have multiple campuses in some amazing locations like New York, LA, Miami, Italy, Australia and online. And you can learn more about the New York Film Academy at nyfa.edu. That's nyfa.edu. Thanks, Maureen. What is the film you most relate to? And would it have been tough? Ooh, the film I most relate to, I'm really going to say the most annoying answer. Guys. Um, I'm so... Do people just hate their answers? Uh, no, <laughs> do most people, people go just like, like, oh... I um, my answers aren't very clever. People always say, and they're always good. Everyone's answers good if they're true. To I know everyone's answer is so revealing. When I listen yeah. to past episodes, there's there's such an there's such perfect portraits of people. Um, okay, uh, unfortunately, I'm gonna say my the most relatable film is either <laughs> um, Slums of Beverly Hills, which was okay. a big film for me natasha mm-hmm. leone looked yes. a lot like me a lot like you i've been thinking that this whole time yeah and uh she in that movie is like you know i might sound like a nepotism baby because my father man- managed mm-hmm. a theater in los angeles but it is sort of the slums of beverly hill it's the lowest rung of the entertainment mm. industry you know what i mean it is yeah. one t- it's one step before writing home to mom and going back to Kansas or whatever, you know, like it's not, it's not, it's not fab. So I related to this character of having this sort of this dad that's trying to keep everything afloat in sort of a chic, glamorous neighborhood, but can't really cut it. And you're sort of at the mercy and the whim of, uh, you know, like a lower, uh, Mm aspect of a glamorous situation the back end of a glamorous situation and i really related to that and then on top of it you know i looked so similar to her like it was like sort of like it was like a (laughs) crazy crazy experience (laughs) yeah yeah that's pretty crazy i get that yeah yeah what is the sexiest film 
Oh my gosh. Well, I just saw it, Brad. Oh, wow. I can't believe it? this. Because, oh my God, if we had talked like a few weeks ago, it would have been a completely different answer. What would it have been a few weeks ago? Breaking the waves. Whoa. Okay, let's go to In the Cut, which yeah. is a great yeah. answer. <laughs> no. it, In the Cut is an amazing movie by Jane Campion. Yeah. And Meg Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> You've seen this. I've seen this film. How, yeah. how did you, as a man, how mm-hmm. did you deal with Mark Ruffalo? How did you, how, because Mark Ruffalo is the hottest person. He's very sexy. I've ever, that character, the way he's dealing with that woman is yeah. the sexiest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. I thought my molecules are changing. I was like, how, <laughs> I went, how is everyone not? It was shocking to my core. How did you as a man deal with seeing Mark Ruffalo? You're an actor. How do you, how, I was like, how well, did you as in, did it make me go, I, I should give up life because he's the hottest <laughs> man in the world? Is that what you No, mean? or you go like, how am I going to step up my game? Like, you're like, how oh, can right. I get, like, how am I going to, like, how am I going to How am I going to have sex like Mark Ruffalo? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, all I'm saying Everyone who wants to have sex with some women, channel some Mark Ruffalo in mm. in the cut. 100%. Real, real tip, real advice. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Great answer. A very misunderstood film when it first came out. Very totally aligned. Yeah. So wait, can you talk to me about this? Because it was two thousand three. Mm. What was the vibe of the film? This when is it came the out? thing. This is the thing that happened. This is should be an yeah. episode of you were wrong about or whatever. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. was sort of the thing that kind of ended Meg Ryan's career, which was, and I remember like half seeing it. It's one of those things that I remembered wrong until I saw it, until I saw it again, which is that there was a talk show host called Parkinson, Michael Parkinson. And okay. he was like the best one in England. I don't know what mm-hmm. the equivalent would be in America, but you know, long, fairly long form interviews with 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 movie stars and stuff. And he was really good. It was always good. And Meg Ryan went on it to promote in the cut. And they had a very awkward interaction. And the way it was sort of talked about in the press was like, she was hard work. She was a nightmare. Like it was like, she came out of it very badly. And it sort of ruined her reputation or something like that. Like it was really? Like, it was like pre-internet. So it was much more like movie stars were gods. And then here was this woman that we had all loved kind of being shit on TV and being in this interview and being rude to National Treasure, Michael Parkinson and all that. Anyway. I then, years later, saw this on the internet, this interview. He's being fucking horrible to her. Really? What is it? And he's like asking her prodding questions or whatever. He clearly hates the film and he's clearly like triggered by the film. Right, right. She says something like, I think the aim of this film was to make a non-romantic romance film. She says something like that. And he says, why would you want to do that? What's wrong with romance? And he gets really sort of defensive. You know what I mean? Like I, she's essentially saying this was like a feminist telling of a of a sexual love story, and he seems to be like offended or scared of what she's saying. And so he's really being quite difficult with her until eventually she kind of shuts down, and then he goes, "What do you want me to do now?" And she says, "Maybe we should just wrap it up." And he goes, "Okay, well that was Meg Ryan, and it's like a nightmare. It's just a nightmare." But also. The weird part is, is that it's so evident that this type of character became mm. like totally like watermarked by Nicole Kidman. And then I did research. Yeah. Like, it's so weird. Like, you look at Meg Ryan and you're like, this is a Nicole Kidman 
yeah. a character. But also, it's it's years ahead of its time, that film, when you think about it. Now, that film would be like, yeah, of course, everyone, yeah. It was years ahead. I guess. I It's totally years ahead, but I say, you know, when American writers can go pencils up again, <laughs> I go, mm-hmm. you have to, the level of, sexuality is so like dangerous i i don't i've there's so little films that are actually saying doing anything it and it's like sexuality in that way is very campy there's a camp aspect to it which is why in the cut is such a complicated film and at first you're like is this a piece of shit like, mm-hmm. is this, like, the worst film ever made or the best film ever made? Because it's, like, to talk about murder and sex and a single woman yeah. and all of this, well, like you're saying, a non-romantic romance film, it's so camp. There's something so corny about it. And it's, like, I don't know. I wonder, maybe we as a culture no longer can, like, take the cringe or something. Or something. But there's, like, it's such a complicated or, like, really un... I, I don't have many other examples of that Mm. type of writing or that type of romance. But you also look at this, like, Nicole Kidman thing, and I go, Nicole Kidman, this was, like, a Nicole Kidman character. Nicole Kidman was the first pick for that role, A, I found out. Yes, and she turned it down because she was tired from her divorce from Tom Cruise. Mm. She was too exhausted. So it went to Meg Ryan, but Nicole Kidman's name is still on as executive producer on the film, which oh. is fascinating. Yeah. It is. Crazy. You're right. It's, it's very much in the Nicole Kidman part. You're right. Yeah. But it's fascinating that Meg Ryan's career, yeah, like you're saying, like it was totally never heard mm. from again. We never heard from her again. It's so sad. She's so great. It's so sad. She's so great. There's a subcategory to this question. Troubling boners, yeah. worrying why don'ts. Film you found arousing that you weren't sure you should. What is it, Ruby? Mine's a a really pretentious, really bad one. (laughs) This is, I I don't know. Well, it's Death in Venice. (laughs) Oh, wow. Okay. I mean, that's a great answer. But it's about a troubling boner. Mm -hmm. It's about a troubling arousal. And and it's like about about two men. And um, who is it? Oh, my God. It's Dick Bogart. It's, right? Dick Bogart? Dirk. He's amazing. He's so amazing. Servant is also a troubling boner film, too, if you've ever seen Servant. <laughs> is that the one with Charlotte Rampley? Yes, and it's about this the Dirk Holocaust? Bogard plays. Yes. No, 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 no. Maybe Charlotte Rampling's not in it, but it's like, it's about like Dirk Bogard is a servant to this like young, rich guy in the 60s. Uh-huh. It's like a... It's a very scary movie, too. It's so good and hot and weird. And it's about, like, two men being, like, obsessed with each other. And, like, you don't know if it's gay. And it might not be. It's, like, that's a really crazy, horrendous boner movie. And Death in Venice is also a similar similar category of, like, it's about two guys. And it's disturbing and... And watching it is so disturbing, and mm. but you're obsessed with it. And Dirk Bogart is a real um, troubling boner actor. You yeah. like want he's so Always hot. Troubling boner, yeah. Yes, it's a, every single movie he does is like, why is this? Why is this sort of sexy? And why is this mm. so upsetting? <laughs> you really That's a complicated. <laughs> this is yeah, like great. a complicated answer because no. Death in Venice is about a young boy and there's like a whole freaking documentary about how 
casting that kid was like the worst thing that's ever happened. You know, like it's like that's a yeah. really troubling one. That's what that's you're a one. and like Annie, yeah, and like Annie Hall is a similar one. You know, it's like that's so you wanna you mm. want it's so fun and and then obviously you know it's like a similar. But Death in Venice is Magini, and every, there was also that new meme that was circling around the summer that was Dirk Bogard in um, Death in Venice, like, in a beach chair, and it's, like, me this summer. Like, instead of hot girl summer, it's, like, Dirk Bogard being sickly in the sun, and that is a good meme. That's a good like, meme. Like, Bogard, sick summer. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's subjectively the greatest film of all time? Since I couldn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's go for it. I'm going to say The Wizard mm-hmm. of Oz. Okay. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. this is like, this is a, such a hard question, dude. You're, you're, really, these are hard questions. <laughs> they are. They're they terribly are hard. hard. Wizard of Oz, Wizard obviously, Oz. because like it changed like the unconscious of the whole world or whatever. You know what I mean? Like we're always like thinking about The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, and we are always <laughs> saying, I've seen behind the curtain now. I've seen the wizard. We're always, I say it every day. I say it every day. I said it today. I said, mm. I was explaining it, my existential feeling at the moment. And I said, there's no illusion of a wizard anymore. There yeah, is just yeah. a man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think yeah. about it a lot. Yeah. And the, and the munchkin, the Emerald City, like every single thing about it is, mm. in, is, is puncture. It's also like one of the first films many people see. And I think that's yeah. an interesting fact too. And it was, it was Technicolor. It was like the first, like it, mm. the those colors. Yeah. It's a, great, it's a great film. It's a great movie. I rewatched it recently and it's really moving. Mm. <laughs> it's really moving. It's a good film. You're crying, crying. Yeah, you're crying, crying. You're crying, crying. What's the film you could or have watched the most over and over again? Okay, so then this is when we're coming back full circle. We're going, um, Sense of Boulevard is the most watched film I've ever watched. Great I have a question movie, for and you. everyone has to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Please. Fantastic question for you. Have you seen the Andrew Lloyd Webber Sunset Boulevard musical? Oh my God, I haven't. Have you? <laughs> I've seen it a number of times, and I tell you this, I really like it. Really? And I tell you why I like it. And I think I like it because I really like the story, and the music's really good. And it's like, mm. yeah, it's just a fucking great story. And now they've just set it to music, and it's almost mm. word for word the film. It just is it? occasionally rhymes. Like, a, yeah, as in you go, yeah, you're doing that brilliant story now with some banging tunes in it. Did you see it with Glenn Close? Like, no, who I didn't was see who it was Norma it. Desmond? I think I saw it with Patty Lapone. Oh wow, Jesus! Yeah. yeah, pretty great. It's great, oh my and God. and it and it has a car chase on stage, which I've always said that's what theatre's missing: car chases on stage. Well, we have to. I mean, he's gotten enough awards, but Andrew Lloyd Webber is going, <laughs> what can we put on stage this time? He's yeah. going, he's going, yeah. let's get, let's get the water on stage. <laughs> he goes, yeah. we've got to get this water on stage. <laughs> and yeah, exactly. he's said, he's not settling for less, honey. He is getting <laughs> this water on stage. Like, it's amazing. And the car, I had no idea about the car, but it's like mm. that, oh my God. Oh my God. When William Holden goes, not having my car in Los Angeles is like not having my legs. Yeah. Like, it's like nothing. That was written in 1949. It's like, we could never. It's like, ugh, ugh. It also does, does hold, it is like remarkably 
The same. The same. Yeah, you go. (laughs) It's the same. Hollywood is the same. A hundred percent, except for one thing, and I will give this to um, Civilization. William Holden calls Norma Desmond out for being an actress at the age of 50. She's supposed to be 50 years old. But there is this implication, especially in the bridge scene in Sunset Boulevard, Mm. where Buster Keaton is in, like in one of his, oh my God, it's like so devastating. Buster Keaton is literally in the shot where William Holden, it's like a pan around this bridge table and it's William Holden's genius voiceover. It's like, and that, that theme is really good of that movie too. There, it's, it's so creepy. The music is so creepy in that movie. They pan around the bridge table and then William Holden goes like, and every Friday she would invite her waxworks over. Mm. And it was this implication of these like old aging actors. But they're all supposed to be in their 50s. It's like, honey, <laughs> no. <laughs> Times have changed, I guess. Yeah. A little bit, you know, they have. Well, yeah, they have. But also we live longer now. People used to die at 50 back then. I know. And they looked so, I mean, that's the other thing is like everyone's looking as young as a bug yeah. these days. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. One, what a great film. What is... The worst film you've ever seen. Oh, yeah. This is a great answer, too. Because <laughs> I really... I Thank God for Letterboxd. Oh, my God. Shout out for Letterboxd. I would never have a single answer for this if it was not for that application. I wrote By the Sea. Have you seen this movie? I have seen By the Sea. I have seen <laughs> All two hours and 40 minutes of By the Sea. I have, too. And it's the worst film I've ever seen. But I'm, I love it. I mean, it's a great... I love I love <laughs> it. I love it. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it. I loved it. I can't I stop. It. I I love it. And I love how, again, back to all actors are reincarnated soldiers theme. Yeah. I, uh, I love that actors get really obsessed <laughs> with like, how can we make a movie? I myself guilty of this. How can we make a movie that's about sort of Sex getting a little perverted. <laughs> it's mm. like, it's like, it's yeah. like, that's the hot idea from an actor. It's like, how can we make it a little sexy in a crazy sort of French way? It's like, it's like, <laughs> or you know what I mean? Or like, how can we incorporate some poison? Or like, how can we incorporate some naughty? It's like, so, so written by actors. It's basically the only document written by actors. It's the most actor thing I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> it's it's crazy it's crazy and they, you know what I mean like it's like everybody wants to be in like who's afraid of Virginia Woolf like everybody wants to be in that play so it's like yeah. and every actor is like I've always wanted to play George or like I've always wanted to play Martha yes. and so it's like actually honey we can do that if we write this script about a French hotel yeah. and we get to get drunk and yell at each other it's like it's the it's the need Right. It's the it's the compulsive 21st century actors need to do Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. That's which so I love. funny. It's true. Great <laughs> it's take. True. We're all we're all desperate for it. We all want to do I do want to do Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Of course. It's all anyone wants yeah, to do. Yeah. Exactly. It's That's best, what everyone wants one. to do. It's the best one. <laughs> it's the best, <laughs> it's the best one. one. Yeah, it's the best one. So it's the only good play. Oh, it's man. actually the only good play. And if it we just sit, we, and it, and really, like, maybe, I do like Arcadia a lot. 
But but besides that, that's that that's that. that's me being that's me being decorative. Me saying Arcadia. Yeah, that's yeah. like me. Let's be real that is such say, bullshit. Yeah, all plays are boring except for who's afraid of Ginger Wolf. And we are lying to ourselves every goddamn day, being like, look, look at all these plays. Yeah, like it's like, ridiculous. oh, we could do a play. It's like that's mm. a lie. The human race wants to do one play. <laughs> who's afraid of Ginger Wolf? Hundred percent. The most true yeah. thing you've said today. Thank you. That's the only play. <laughs> it's the only play. Oh, should and, we do and, Doll's House again? No. No. Stop kidding and yourself. It's like, yeah, or it's like we're doing a Doll's House and it's like the person. <laughs> it's like, it's like, how can we make a Doll's House be who's afraid of Virginia? It's like, it's like, <laughs> every, it's like everything. It's like, if you see it through these lenses now, it's yeah. like most contemporary art is like, how can we make it for, who's, who's afraid, afraid of Virginia? Amazing. Yeah. You changed my life. Yeah. <laughs> Again, afraid of Virginia Woolf. Again. What is the funniest film you've ever seen? What makes you laugh? What film made you laugh the most? Okay. Well, okay. okay. This is a, this was also, I'm sure people have said this one too. And again, it's so on brand too, but I can't help being myself. Is Waiting for Guffman is the funniest film to me of all time. Great. Obviously. obviously. Yeah, yeah, obviously. Mm-hmm. Very um, similar idea. Yeah, it's a group of people trying to make independent in New York. Yeah, exactly. Very similar idea. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia and Yellow, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with Hacks writer and actor Pat Regan, on how their improv experience helped them when shooting scenes and what it was like writing scripts for specific actors. You'll also hear from crew members like the costume designers on what it was like creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Hear stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and more. Watch Hacks streaming exclusively on Max and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Maureen, what's this I hear about you going to film school? I am. I want to gain valuable skills while making films and developing my creativity. So I'm attending the New York Film Academy. I'm thinking about becoming one of them people that writes the numbers on the title board. NIFA is a very respected film school. I hear they offer a variety of options to meet your educational goals, whether you want a BFA or MFA degree or want to learn at a quicker pace with a short-term programme. That's right. They've got workshops and summer camps in filmmaking, acting, cinematography, screenwriting, producing, game design, musical theatre and more. Are you attending in New York? Might do. They have multiple campuses in some amazing locations like New York, LA, Miami, Italy, Australia and online. And you can learn more about the New York Film Academy at nyfa.edu. That's nyfa.edu. Thanks, Maureen. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, 
and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Ruby McAllister, <laughs> you have been wonderful. You have, yeah. you have taken us on Thank a journey. You. Thank for, you. Across time and uh, to the other side. However, <laughs> when you oh, were... Oh, no. When, what some would call too chill, you were so chill mm. that mm. you were sat down, you were just being chill. And you yeah. were so fucking chill that your yeah. heart went, I'll stop, I'll just stop beating, shall I? We're just chill. And you went, yeah, we're just chill, baby. We're chill. 100%. And the heart <laughs> stopped. And mm-hmm. then your organs stopped working. And totally. then suddenly, in the way that you dreamed of, not quite because it was a bit quicker, but you realized, oh, I'm dying slightly, but in a like, hot way. Ooh, yeah, you quickly, definitely. You quickly pulled everyone. <laughs> you said, I love you, I love you, I love you, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, right, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. walking I'm walking through Hollywood with a coughing, you uh, know what I'm like. And I go, I'll just pop in, check in on Ruby. And I'm like, oh, Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. Oh no, she's I knew she, she was it. chilling, but she's she's chilled yeah, too yeah, hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's yeah, done yeah. it again. She's chilled too hard. <laughs> mm. And I come in, you're dead. And I have to chop you up because I brought I, I've misjudged. You've your just height. chopped me up. <laughs> I have to chop you up to fit you into the coffin. So I chop you up. Oh chop you God. Up. Put all the bits oh of you God. in there. Stuff you in, stuff you in, stuff you in, stuff you in. No. And there's no. and I'm having to smash you in there. Anyway. No. It's rammed oh in there. There's only enough room in this coffin for okay. me to slip one DVD into the side for you to take across to the other side. And when you get there, it's movie night every night. What film are you taking to show? The Musicians of Heaven when it's your movie night. Ruby McAllister III. All About Eve. Great twist. (laughs) Perfectly on brand. You've done it. I did it. Is there anything you would like to tell people to watch? I believe that this, sadly, is not coming out in time for the Edinburgh Festival. So why don't you promote... The tour of your show, which you will be doing, I'm sure, around the world. Yes, my show is called Tragedy. And it's about basically my fixation on all of these macabre themes of uh, failure and death. Because I was raised in uh, the hellmouth that we call Los Angeles. <laughs> that's Yeah, that's what it, it's about. And you laugh, you cry, I sing, I entertain you. It's It's... It's, fucking yeah, good. it's on brand. That's what it is. It's on brand. Ruby, you've been a pleasure. Thank you for Thank your you. time. Thank you. This has been so fun. Good luck in Edinburgh. Thank you, Brett. And have a wonderful day. Okay. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye. So that was episode 266. Head over to the Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Brett Goldstein for the extra secrets and video with Ruby. Go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, but write about the film that means the most to you and why. My neighbour Maureen loves reading it, it always makes a cry and it's very much appreciated. Thank you all for listening. Thank you to Ruby for doing the show. Thank you to Scrooby's Pip and the Distraction Pieces Network. Thanks to Buddy Peace for producing it. Thanks to iHeartMedia and Will Ferrell Big Money Players Network for hosting it. Thanks to Adam Richardson for the graphics and Lisa Lydon for the photography. Come and join me next week for an absolutely smashing guest. In the meantime, that's it for now. Have a lovely week. And please, now more than ever, be excellent to each other.
something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. Join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. We gather a seasoned elder, myself as the middle generation, and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations, prepare to engage or hear perspectives that literally no one else has had. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 